Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We are, we are in the third week of our series on church. What is church? And, and as I was preparing to do this series, I realized that we've got a lot of, as you saw this morning, new members of our church. And there's, there's people that are coming to faith uh, who, who church is new to them. And, and some of you guys that have been here for a while, uh, y'all need to refresh your course. I think I mentioned this last week that fundamentals count. Right? Fundamentals are vitally important for success in your life and success in your Christian walk. And it's really easy for us to let our fundamentals slip. Right? Is, is that true or false? You think it's easy? Listen, once in a while you, 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 you get distracted by, by all the world around you and you can forget how important attending your local church is. You can forget how important reading your, your Bible is. You can forget how important it is to pray. You can forget how important it is to minister to a brother or a sister in Christ. We can lose our fundamentals. And when we lose our fundamentals, guys, we lose the game. And, and life is the most important game of all. We talk about uh, football. I'm a, I'm a football coach, and my son played football for, for many years. And um, you watch these boys. We had practice last week, and, and it was the first week after conditioning. And conditioning um, is affectionately uh, termed hell week. No offense to anybody. We're not trying to swear, but it's hot. It was hot. It was hot. The heat index was 100 degrees. We actually let the kids practice without helmets and pads one day because that's how generous we are. And um, we, we got them lined up for hitting, and, and hitting is a big deal, because if you do it wrong, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to get hurt? What else could happen? Thank you. You could hurt somebody else. And so we got these boys together at 7th, 8th grade. They're varsity. They've been doing this, most of them, since they were in 3rd grade, 4th grade. And they were terrible. They were terrible. One of our coaches was losing it. And uh, basically, we worked on form tackling almost the entire two hours. And uh, they, I'm sure by the end, they enjoyed it. But in the beginning, they weren't really enjoying it. So listen, that's fundamentals. They should have come in there. They should have had these things down. They've been doing this their whole life practically, and yet they let it slip. We had a kid tackling with his head down. But you don't do that anymore because that's how you break your neck. And this is kind of a big deal. So fundamentals matter. They matter for your own safety, Christian. And they matter for your brothers and sisters in your church. I had a, I had a fellow once, he, he said to me that he wasn't important in, in his ministry. He wasn't important. He wasn't a leader. He, he wasn't out in front. And so he said, nobody's going to miss me. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not. And, and listen, that is, a, that is a breakdown of fundamentals. Because it does matter that you're there. It mattered to him that he was there, but he had lost sight of the importance of that fundamental. 
But it didn't just matter to him that he was there. Listen, the, the enemy whispers in our ear and, and says that nobody cares if you're there or not. And that's just not true. It matters to your brothers and sisters whether you're there or not. Your local church is important, not just for you, but for the people that are around you. Some of you, I look at you and I say, boy, you're such a blessing to me. And you know how many times I've gotten this answer? I, I, can't, even, I can't even recall how many times I've gotten this answer, but it was, it was too many. Really, I don't do anything for you. Like, why would I be a blessing? Why am I a blessing to you? Your presence blesses my heart. Yeah, sometimes it's your smile. Sometimes it's just a word of encouragement. Sometimes you're a blessing to me because I'm watching how you bless others in our church. And that blesses me. Folks, you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we let the fundamentals slip. And when we let the fundamentals slip, we hurt ourselves and we, we end up hurting our brothers and sisters in Christ. The first week we looked at the, the universal church. That's when you get saved, you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great song. Um, Melissa, was that an introduction to the church, that song? Is that the first time we've done it? Praise the Father, praise the Son. Da, 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 da. You sang it when? Christmas? Listen, I have COVID brain. I'm going to use that. I'm going to ride with that excuse until I die. I had COVID. It's messed up my brain. So to me, it's the first time that we've done it. And what a great song talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the salvation of all who will turn to him and cry out to him to be their personal, once and for all, one and only Savior. I mean, that is the mission of the church, is to spread that message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you come to faith in Jesus like that, the Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. It's a universal body. You identify with Jesus and with millions and millions of other people who identified with Jesus. Now, that universal church has not yet been gathered together. You're a member of it. It's important. It will never fail. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. But it hasn't gathered together universally. What it does, though, is it gathers together locally. There's local representatives of that universal church. And that is what we are on to this week, the local church. Why does it matter? Why is it important? And I want to just give us a, a brief review of, of last week's message and then jump into this week. So Matthew chapter 16, this should be up on the Bible app, the Version Bible app. If you have it, open it. Follow along, take notes, highlight if you have an account. If you don't, it's super easy to make, so just make your account. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. The Bible says, when, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, some say, uh, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say that you're you know, one of those other prophets. Uh, there's so many of them. And, and he said, but who... Who do you say, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, that is the anointed one. You are the Christ, the sent one from the Father. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, what he was saying is you're the one that we have been waiting for for centuries. You're the one that was sent from the Father to redeem the world. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of 
I'm sorry, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Do you all hear that? Not just me. I have ADHD, so this is going to drive me crazy. Is it just coming out of the monitors? It's coming out of what? The house? Is it me? Is it me, Lord? I feel like Judas. Is it me, Lord? Let's like shut every other mic and amp down or whatever. Peter, did you take the mic with you? It's Angel's mic? Where's Angel's mic? Okay. It was your mic? Do you have it? Ron? <laughs> okay. Welcome to Emmanuel. You never, well, actually, this is pretty regular for us. We, <laughs> we are the church of broken people, from the pulpit to the pew. Um, anyways. Where was I? Oh, review. It's a perfect landing spot. Review. We're going to take a look at what we looked at last week. And the first thing we're going to look at is this. The church is relational. Local church is relational. The universal church, folks, you can meet somebody who's a brother in Christ and not even know it. You can be in the airport or you can be in the mall. You could be anywhere on a football field or in a baseball field. And, and there could be somebody that knows Jesus and, and you wouldn't know them because they're not part of your local Family, they're not part of your local church. Are you both members of the universal church? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, sometimes, sometimes, not every time, but sometimes you can tell that there's a brother or sister in Christ. I was on a job site one day, and we were, me and this other guy were working upstairs, different companies, never met him before in my life, but I just knew, I just knew there was something different about him. And, and he had the same impression from me, and, and as we worked through the day, I finally ended up talking to him about Christ, and, and he was a believer. And so, yes, they're, they're, we are our family uh, universally. And folks, we're not relational with the universal church. We don't, we don't know them well. We can meet somebody, and immediately there's this wonderful connection, but then they're out of your life. They're out of your life. And there's people that are like, I belong to the universal church. I don't need to belong to a local church. You are so wrong and you are so unbiblical in your thinking. The local church is relational. It's, I had this slide up last week too. We are family. That's our missionaries to Manna. Uh, those of you that are guests, it's a wonderful family. And three months out of the year, they park their camper out back and they go around the states of New England raising funds for Manna centers worldwide. And, and uh, just a, a wonderful family. I love it when they're here. Uh, they're great neighbors uh, and this is what we are as a, as a church. Sometimes you don't think of yourself this way, but I want you to change your thinking. Look around right now. Look around you. These are your brothers and your sisters in Jesus in this local church. Now, you can know some better than others, but I'll tell you what, man, you should have each other's back. I talked about my brother Randy. Like, he's got my back. I got his back. But I also know this, because my church is also my family, I know that Angel's got my back and I got his back, and we don't share blood, but we share spirit. Well, we do share blood, don't we? We share the blood of Christ. I've got Patrick's back. Patrick's got my back. This church is family. 
This church is family. And it's not just because I'm the pastor. I haven't always been a pastor. I haven't always been in vocational ministry. Matter of fact, I didn't enter vocational ministry until I was 29 years old, I think. Up until 29, I was, a, I was just like most people, sitting in the pew, worshiping Jesus, serving in my church, and my church was family. My church was family. It's not just an organization that you belong to. It's a family. And like, like every other family, we looked at this, our family may have conflict. Anyone ever have conflict in their family? Raise your hands if you've had conflict in your family. Raise your hand if you've dealt with that conflict very poorly. <laughs> My hand's still up. I may not put it down the rest of the service. But raise your hand now. Last week we went through Matthew 18, didn't we? And we looked at what the Bible said about conflict. We looked at what the Bible said about the, listen, the, 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 the purpose of confrontation. The purpose of confrontation is what? Restoration. So husbands, wives, children, cousins, brothers, sisters, when someone sins against you, when someone harms you or hurts you, the Bible says you're to go to that person alone, one-on-one, and then you're to, you're to seek what? Vengeance? Get them back for hurting you? Is that what the Bible teaches us? What does it say? We go to them, we confront them so that they can, they can repent of the sin against you, and then the Bible says you have gained your brother or your sister or your mother, father, cousin, husband, or wife. So that was free, and that was awesome, and, and I enjoyed preaching that because relationships are so vital. Uh, they're arguably one of the most important things in your life is relationships, and, and, and relationships are messy, and relationships can hurt, but they are indispensable. We're going to move on to Acts chapter 2 now, Acts chapter 2, verse number 40, and we're going to continue to look at the local church. Now, um, when Jesus founded the universal church, the interesting thing that, that I pointed out was that, yes, the universal church was founded, but it was founded what? It was founded locally, right there in Jerusalem. In fact, that church in Jerusalem became a major hub of Christianity. It was a local church. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 2 again, verse number 40. Many other words he testified and exhorted, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. This is the apostle Peter, and he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's letting it rip. And, and, and the people that were sitting there were people that had at one point cried, Crucify him! When, when Jesus was um, placed before them, they were crying out, Crucify him! Uh, give us Barabbas! These are the people that wanted Jesus dead, Right? And then here's Peter standing before them, preaching the gospel, telling them that this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made the Christ and he is risen from the grave. And now they're going, whoa, whoa. their eyes are opened. The Holy Spirit has penetrated their heart. And now they know they're in trouble. What do we do? What do we do? And those who gladly received his word 
That is to say, they trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Belief is first, most, and best, and baptism follows belief. It doesn't save you, but it tells the world that you have been redeemed. And so they received his word, trusted in Christ, were saved eternally, and then they were baptized. And that day were added about 3,000 souls to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And those who believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and divided among them all as any one had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And just one brief rabbit trail You know, many people look at this and say, what does that mean? Do we need to do that today? And uh, it's a shame if anyone who is a part of a local church goes hungry. No one in a local church should ever go hungry. People that are struggling should find help in their local church. And we have a good Samaritan ministry just for that purpose. And then Allie Perrin is over here. She's the leader of our, our food pantry. And those, those together support our family. Folks, this is family. Do you get it? These people got it. They loved one another so much that they were willing to sell their possessions. If somebody had a need, they were willing to take care of that need because they were family. They were family. It was more than just a belief. It was more than just a creed. It was more than just a building that they came to. They were family. And they were alone in the world. Persecution is nothing new to the Christian faith, to the Christian church. But what I want to really home in on here for a moment is that the local church is organized. The local church is organized. Now, this is something that many are pushing back on today. You'll hear this on various social media platforms. People are not interested in organized religion, as if the word organized, that, that those two words together somehow mean Satan. We don't believe in organized religion. That is, that, listen, that is one of the lies that the enemy of Christianity has been spreading liberally for hundreds of years. Organized religion does more harm in the world than anything else. Well, some organized religions maybe, but not biblical Christianity. And there's a distinction between biblical Christianity and those that call themselves Christians. The Spanish Inquisition, you guys remember that from high school? The Spanish Inquisition. Who did they torture and kill? Christians. What did they call themselves? Christians. Right? You follow? There's people that call themselves Christians, but they act nothing like Christ. But I want to share with you some of these things that, that people think. They, they reject 
authority. They reject a building. They reject organization. And they believe that this local church idea is old-fashioned and, and needs to be left behind. And I was on a, I'm on a group of um, a Facebook group, much to my chagrin at the moment, but I, I joined it with 100,000 other people called Men of God. And they, they changed it from a, a men's group to anybody can join because I guess anybody can be a man. And and so now it's like men of God, but not really. It's like should change the name to anyone of God, and that would be cool. Um, but I, I thought that I would stir up the dust. I have been accused. I've been accused. I know you're not going to believe it, Randy. Mom, don't tell on me of being an instigator. Could you actually believe someone would accuse me of being an instigator? I know it's hard to believe. I am the baby of the family, and I think all babies have some level of that character. I'm not going to call it a flaw. Strength. Anyways, I thought I would, I thought I would just irritate some people, and I, I said, hey, how important is a local church? Something like that. Uh, and I got a hundred and something comments. I'm going to read just a few of them to you. Here's a quote. Um, I am not under the authority of any man, only God. I hope this helps. Now, this is a Facebook group. I think it's supposed to be Christian called Men of God. I am not under the authority of any man, only God, exclamation point. The local church is God's ideal, but the remnant are few, and finding a truly Holy Spirit-led church is very, very difficult. I try to serve God everywhere I go, but I don't go to church as a building. God is always with me and present uh, wherever three or more gather together. Uh, thank, thank, I, I, the grammar is terrible. Ugh, grammar Nazi coming out. Um, thank for this question. God bless you and yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Sounds super spiritual. Amen, amen. Like there's two amens on it. It's got to be really good. I haven't been in seven years. I haven't been to local church in seven years after the Lord called me away to shepherd me by himself. Well, aren't you special? Remember that from Saturday Night Live? Church lady, aren't you special? Um, there are some good churches out there, but they're quite rare. Sounds like people don't really think much of the local church, right? Um, I am a member of the, there's two E's on it, the, he went all King James here. I'm a member of the church. I'm part of the body of Christ. Now, what this person's referring to, whether it's, I don't know, Right? It, again, groups called man of God, but not necessarily, or men of God. But this person, I'm a member of the church. I'm part of the body of Christ. They're, they're talking about the universal church, and that's enough for me, basically. And I go to different gatherings and enjoy the revelations and love of my brothers and sisters in Christ. However, I'm not a member of any particular institution. But the Bible teaches that the local church is organized, that it's important. I would argue that, that it is indispensable 
And, and listen, this is the problem with some of the stuff that we just read. Just because something sounds spiritual, amen, amen, doesn't mean it is spiritual. Listen, they think they sound really good. Matter of fact, they had comments. Oh, yeah! Come on, give it to him! Uh, some of them were actually accurate. The local church is not, I mean, the church is not a building. I'm like, I couldn't agree with you more. That wasn't in my, in my post. It didn't say, do you believe in, like, how important is the building to you? Is how important is the church? I'm like, where did I say building in that? The gathering is the local church. Emmanuel, can I tell you that Emmanuel has, has existed since 1978 and they didn't always, we as a body of Christ, didn't always gather at 14 Mammoth Road. Uh, we gathered on Conant Street in Manchester on the west side. Before that, we gathered at a storefront on Massabesic Street in Manchester. Before that, Emmanuel gathered in a living room in Manchester. It's not the building, it's the gathering of the people that matters. I never said building. But people have an issue with this organizational structure of the local church. And listen, I, there's a certain level of me that says, yeah, sometimes people do emphasize a building way too much. And you, you've heard me talk about this. The building is a blessing. Those, those early churches that were meeting together in caves back in the day, you know, back in the first, second, third century, they were meeting together in caves, hiding out in forests. I bet they wish they had a building. They wish they had a building of their own where they could meet together in safety and worship in freedom. So while sometimes churches overemphasize the building, the idea that we need to deconstruct that and say that it's no longer, it's, it's not important. Folks, it's a blessing your building and your property is a blessing if it's used, used well. So just because something sounds spiritual spiritual doesn't mean that it that it is what did the one say I, I love this one i am not under the authority of any man only god that sounds so spiritual but it's also so so wrong and we'll be investigating that as we go along but number 1 we know they're organized because they gathered together they gathered together not haphazardly Daily, regularly, they gather together. Where do they gather together? What does the Bible say? They gather together at the temple. They gather. Did you read that with me? Were you, were you, um, in case you missed it? Where were they with one accord? At the temple. It, was that a building? Was the temple a building? It wasn't until 70 AD before it was destroyed. It was a building. And they would gather together. It was a large meeting place where they could all meet together. What's the word? What was the word? They could all meet what? Together. It's organized. They gathered together. Folks, this is biblical. We need to come together regularly. This is the Sunday service. This is a, a Wednesday service. In some churches, they do Thursday services, and, and some do Friday and even Saturday morning services, and, and most do Sunday services of some kind. It really doesn't matter when you gather together. What matters is that you gather to, 
together, that is the local church. The gathering is the local church. You must gather together. They gather together in one accord in the temple. As we, as we follow Paul's journey, they gather together in one accord in the synagogues. They gather together in one accord by, by rivers. And they gather together in one accord in homes. Emmanuel started, where did it start? Do you remember what I said? In a home. In a home. I, I planted a church uh, in Penacook, New Hampshire, back in 2000 and something. And um, our first gathering, our first gathering was in a home. It was in a home. Our, our second meeting place was at an elementary school. And there was a day that the janitor didn't show up. And so we gathered together on a playground. But we gathered together. And it was regular. And everybody knew when it was. And we gathered together. The church is organized. It's not, hey, we're going to get together Whenever we gather together intentionally and purposefully, they gathered together. And then the Bible says this, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And those who received his word were baptized. About 3,000 souls were added to them, were added to them, were, what does it say? Were added to them and praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church Daily, those who were being saved, yet none joined them, but the people esteemed them highly. The believers were, were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And so the church had a role, right? There was a church role. They had an accounting of those who came to Christ. They kept numbers, Numbers aren't important. It was important enough for Dr. Luke to put it in the book of Acts that 3,000 people were added to them and then more people were added daily, those who were being saved, and then more people were being added. There was a church role. They knew who they were. They knew they were part of the first church of Jerusalem. There was an accounting. Well, if the church is not organized, why are they counting? Why does it matter? We're all part of the body of Christ. I don't go to a local church. I just, I just go to the gatherings and different ones every week. Yeah. And yet these people knew who they were. They knew who they were. They knew where they belonged. Uh, they had a church role. Someone was counting as a matter of fact, later on, there are people who were recommended to churches. Letters of recommendation would go from Apostle Paul or, or others in senior leadership, and, and they would go to a church, and they would have letters of recommendation. The church was organized. They gathered together apart, and this is much different than what we're talking about in these days. We're not talking about a pandemic. We're talking about smaller groups of the same church membership gathering together apart. In other words, they're coming together in small groups, smaller groups. They went house to house. They ate their bread with, uh, with gladness and simplicity of heart. And so church, look around you. These are your brothers and sisters. 
uh, in, in, in my welcoming email to our new members, I, I always have on the bottom, hey, if you'd like to share a meal with me and my wife, please let us know. We would love to get together with you and share a meal. And then there's other people in the church that, that will go over their house and, and enjoy fellowship and enjoy a meal together. Uh, and, and we'll talk about, sometimes we'll talk about um, football. But oftentimes our conversations gradually move toward Jesus. The spiritual things. Because truly that is what we have in common. That's the thing we have in common is Christ. So they gathered together apart. They gathered together in homes. They, they did Bible studies or, or they were taught by apostles in different locations. And, and certainly when you grow to 3,000 people um, and you're meeting together regularly in the temple, there's a lot of teaching. There's a lot more teaching that needs to be done than just a Sunday morning worship service. As, as Listen, that's a cornerstone of your church, but there's other avenues of discipleship that need to happen within that local church body. They gathered together apart. Are small groups biblical? Oh, you bet they're biblical. Are they organized? Absolutely. Jesus had a small group, Peter, James, and John. He had a little bit of a larger group, the 12 disciples. And then he had a a larger group, the 125 Christians who were left at the end of his ministry on earth. And we go on. So continuing Daily with one accord in the temple, breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And many other words, he testified to them. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, he's saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who, were gladly, who, those who gladly received his word were being baptized. And that day were added to them 3,000 souls. God is still building his church. I want to camp a little bit before we close on this idea of everything that is spiritual, sounds spiritual, is not spiritual. Uh, Someone came to me about a question on Right Now Media. Listen, I I love Right Now Media, and there are some things on Right Now Media, just like on your Bible app, that can sound spiritual or not. And so we ask that you keep your antenna up, and if you have a question about a study or a question about a person... Hey, should I, should I do a study with this person? You should go see Peter Clow. Come see me. Talk to Brother Anstey. Folks, we are here for you, but by and large, it's Orthodox Christianity that is on that service. The Bible app is a little bit more difficult to harness because there's all sorts of different people in the Bible app. Devotions that are not necessarily good for you. You need to be careful. Prosperity gospel is probably the most insidious thing out there today. And the prosperity gospel basically means this, that if you come to Christ, everything's coming up roses. Right? You come to Christ, he's going to make you wealthy, wise, healthy. There are those that believe that Isaiah chapter 53, where it says, by his stripes you are healed. They believe that if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, that the, the punishment that Jesus suffered offers for you physical healing. If you just had enough faith, God would heal you. Not biblical, sounds spiritual, but it's not biblical. Now again, this is the reason, another reason why your local church is so invaluable to you. 
Because there are a lot of voices, and whether it's Right Now Media, which is such an awesome blessing. My wife and I were watching some, uh, some of the studies last night. Tremendous blessing. And the, and the Bible app is, is incredible that Life Church would produce this app and, and give it free to the world. Folks, your local church is a place where you can go and you can ask those questions. Because in your local church, God has given you a pastor. And the pastor's job is to watch over you. And a pastor's job is to protect you and to defend you, to care for you. And God has gifted your, your church with a, with a pastor that you can know, whose life you can observe, whose family you can observe. And that is the mo- one of the most difficult things about being a lead pastor is the Bible gives you permission to judge me based on my family. Did you know that? The Bible says, if he doesn't rule his own house well, how shall he rule the house of God? Now, that doesn't give you the permission to judge my kids or my wife. It does give you the permission to take a gander at them and say, are they unruly? Are they horrible little rotten, spoiled little brats? They better not be. You don't have the right to judge them. You judge me based on how I'm raising them. That's what you do. You don't say anything to them. But you can look at me and say, is he a good pastor? What's his wife like? How's he leading his home? Folks, that's, that's the beauty of a local church. It's, I'll go back to the beginning, it's relational. It's relational. And I'm available. We'll sit down, have a cup of coffee, we'll have a meal, we'll, we'll, we'll fellowship together my door is open. And, and, and if you want to confront me on something, the door is open. Come confront. But do it biblically. Not to prove your point. Not to see who's smarter. Because the reality is God has ordained me to this position. He has called me to it. There have been few times where I've thought, get me out of here. But not many not many, because God calls you. He gives you a heart for it. We're going to get, we're going to get into this, uh, this idea of organizational leadership in the coming weeks and how important it is that you have godly leaders and how to choose those leaders and what to look for in leaders. And really, because we're hitting organizational church, <laughs> the biblical veracity of having Leaders in a local body of believers. God is still building his church. He hasn't finished. It's not over yet. And listen, I know, I know how bad the world can look at times. I know right now the world, it's a mess, isn't it? Nobody knows what to believe, it seems. Everyone has dug in their foxholes and they've settled into their camps, and they're not going to budge one way or the other, and it seems like everyone's turned off their hearing and just will not be persuaded no matter what evidence of any particular side is presented to them. It's a mess out there. Politically, it's a mess out there. As you, as you heard from those Facebook replies, and I only pulled like four, spiritually, it's a mess out there. 
There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of pushback against anything that would, would have authority out there. But right here, folks, it should be a glorious mess. It should be a glorious mess in here where people are finding grace in Jesus and growing in him and learning that you, belong, you may not belong to the Democrat Party. You may not belong to the Republican Party. You may not, may not, you may not belong to the Odd Fellows. They may not let you into the Rotary. But folks, if you've come to Jesus and you have agreed with our statement of faith and you say, I want a covenant together with Emmanuel, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what your political leanings are. What matters is that you have become part of the family. And the darker the world gets, and the more messed up the world gets, look around you guys, that, listen, the more important your local family gets. Those people that met in caves, they did so because the world was against them. And I'll tell you, when they got together, Boy, were they glad they had a chance to be able to be with people that they knew loved them and loved Jesus. Boy, were they glad to be able to hide out for a few hours and just worship. That's really what this should be. It's a refuge. It's a refuge. So, welcome to Emmanuel. We have a goal in the coming years to increase our times of fellowship as a body our spaces of fellowship around the property so that you can enjoy each other's company church-wide. And so I was like, listen, I would like you to pray for that. Pray for your local church. Pray for your brothers and sisters. And, and could, you, could you pray for your leadership? Because although I, I'm called and I'm ordained, and I know this, God, listen, I ran from God's call for 10 years. I did not want to be a pastor. Didn't want to do it, wasn't interested, and he wouldn't let me go. And he's ordained me to this. And, and I, listen, I know, I tried saying no to him. He's very persuasive. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't called. And then we have Peter and Angel and Ron and, and Patrick called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and minister to this local body. Rick Moore and called to preach the gospel and minister to this local body. Boy, pray for these people. Pray for their families. We all have targets on our backs, on our fronts, on our foreheads. Folks, we need your prayer. We need your support so that we can lead effectively and lead well and live godly lives. Well, God is still building his church. There's still room for you. And the last question as the worship team comes is, will you trust him? Will you trust him? Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.